0: Sports are really important vehicles for relationships. We have purpose. We have a why. We bring people together. We connect. I feel like God is our greatest (laughs) supporter and our greatest coach. Welcome to Rabbi on the Sidelines. This is Rabbi Erez Sherman from Sinai Temple in Los Angeles. This week we are joined, doubly blessed, by two basketball players at Binghamton University in upstate New York. Their story is truly amazing. It's the story of the Jewish people. It's the story of the intersection of sports and faith. I'm honored to be joined by captain of the University of Binghamton University's basketball team, Haley Moore and Mia Raskin. Haley and Mia, it's so wonderful to have you. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Thanks for having us. Great. So first, I want to start with a story for everybody to understand how special this is uh, for me, because as I just told Mia, um, I have not seen Mia since the day she was born, and I'm going to give context to <laughs> that. I was a freshman at the Jewish Theological Seminary of America, living in Matilda Schechter Residence Hall, now a blessed memory, and when I was a freshman, uh, then Adam and Sari Raskin, now Rabbi Adam Raskin and Sari Raskin of Har Shalom in Potomac, Maryland, were actually the uh, resident directors, basically known as the dorm parents. And so uh, they welcomed me to my college experience and really uh, larger Jewish community. And during that year, at the end of the year, was it April? When's your birthday, Mia? April 27th. Great April. memory. Wow, I remember, yes. It was the end of our freshman year, and there was a new delivery to our dorm, and that was Mia Rastien. Um, So how many years ago was that? Almost 21 now. Almost 21 years ago. So uh, it makes me <laughs> feel a bit... Elderly at this moment, but really proud of uh, speaking to you. But today we're actually here to speak not about your birth, but really about your journey from that day to this moment. And it includes sports and it includes faith. I've actually watched over the years your basketball journey, first at the Berman Hebrew Academy, um, but then also most recently your amazing, amazing, insightful intellectual article in the Times of Israel. So let's actually start with your faith journey. And also, by the way, we're in the same club. We are PKs. We are rabbi's children. So let's talk about first, we're on a show about sports and faith. Let's talk the faith. What was your life growing up as a rabbi's child like? And what did you love so much about it that, in fact, you have continued your Jewish observance at a high level uh, even to this day?
1: Right. So, I I mean, I think a huge part of it goes out to my parents. And they they get a huge credit to, to where I am right now, not just basketball, but also the faith part. Um, I read, I read my article that there was never anything coercive in our house. There was never like, you have to do this. There were some standards, like you dress a little bit nicer on Shabbat. We host on Shabbat. And I think that those things um, helped build my character and helped me teach at a young age, how to speak to people of all different ages, of all different backgrounds and being understanding. But um, I think that, that the part that I'm most grateful for from, from being a, a PK or an RK, um, and for my parents specifically is how they were able to like separate the job and then our, also our family's values and it. figuring out how they intersect, but also the, the importance of, of keeping the both like work and life separate at certain, certain times also.
0: So as a child, what was in the sports journey? Was it, you know, signing up for JCC basketball? Was it playing softball? What was that initial journey uh, into sports? Now I'm a dad and have a 10, 8, and 6-year-old, and we're just getting into that world as well. Um, when did you realize that, wow, I actually love a game that I want to continue and and pursue?
1: Right, so like most Jewish elementary school kids, like my parents are signing me up for like every possible um, sports <laughs> program so it was softball and soccer and gymnastics and basketball and like let's just like kind of find like where Mia feels the most successful which was very cool and um at I lived in Dallas at the time and there was no girls. shout out league. to
0: Cherith Israel
1: yes shout out to Cherith Israel and Beth Torah but yes. um there was no girls league so I was playing mm. with boys up until about fifth grade um like weekly and I just loved it and I was always going to camp and I was like that one girl or one of the two girls with all the boys up until about like 10 years old.
0: And so that's up until 10 years old. And then when did you realize, you know what, I'm going to go to middle school and go to high school and I maybe can pursue something at a higher level and take us to the AAU circuit, maybe explain what AAU is even all about and how that sometimes contradicted with your faith life.
1: Right. For sure. So Actually, in Dallas, my my mom realized that like it would be important for me to play with girls every so often, um. So she signed me up for my like first like semi AAU program, but they played Friday evenings. Um. Got so it. my mom and my grandfather would like switch off picking me up like like within the 18 minutes before Shabbat started, um. And like I'd stay till like the second half, and then I'd leave halfway through the game. I wouldn't know really? what the outcome was. But, well, like, stop right
0: they- there. So what what was that like? The coach just lets you leave in the middle of the game and.
1: I mean, the irony of it all was that it was a Jewish coach, so like he understood um, different practice, but still understood it. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I moved to Maryland, I I still played all of the sports I could in middle school, but around high school time, I I sat down with my parents and we were like, "Well, I'm I'm really committed to to this specifically. Like this is where I'm happy at." Um, and that's when I really started. Um, and it was like a really great opportunity to get exposed to different college level opportunities, playing against girls at a really high level instead of just like girls in your league necessarily. Um, and so I'm um, around ninth grade. I joined a team as just a practice player. because like, we couldn't really navigate Shabbat just yet. Um, and then a Jewish coach from pluralistic day school in my area um, texted me about like probably going to 10th or 11th grade. Like, Hey, I'm an assistant coach for this team. I can help explain to the head coach how this will work. And like, at, in that moment I was like, okay, let's do it. Like, and I, I tried out for, for a, a more intense, exclusive program. And mm-hmm. that's where, like, I really feel like my basketball career took off and, and most of my growth came from.
0: So let's go to Haley for a moment. Haley uh, did not grow up Jewish. She's from New Jersey, um, but went to Catholic high school. Um, and first, let's talk about your experience why you chose, you said, a Catholic school and what that looked like in terms of the faith experience. You just told me before there was a prayer before each game. So Haley, tell us a little about yourself. And I know you grew up in the sports world, actually, less in the faith world and more in the sports world. So Haley Moore, go for it.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's part of the reason why I chose to go um, to that high school was because sports was such a big part of my life growing up. And um, the Catholic school that I went to for four years was um, like dominant in the basketball world. So that's kind of why I chose it. But um, as a, in the faith world at that school, um, it was different for me, you know, coming as a freshman and not really being Catholic and not, um, studying any of the religion that my teammates and like the rest of the school. So it was different for me, but it wasn't something that I was opposed to and it was just something I had to adjust to. Um, so like you said, we prayed for every game, um. I had to go to church a few times a week with my team and stuff. So it was different, but it wasn't something that I didn't like. I actually enjoyed it. I got something a lot. And, yeah, just kind of – it was a nice four years. It was good to, like, be around all that.
0: And what was your experience with the Jewish community before you met somebody like Mia?
2: Um, honestly, <laughs> there wasn't – I mean, the town that I live in, New Jersey, is, like, predominantly Jewish. So oh, I don't – but I don't have that much – I didn't have really any experience with it prior to meeting Mia. So it was really cool. It was really eye-opening to kind of, like – see it and be
0: around it so mia you get into the aau circuit and then um actually heard a little interview from another colleague of mine and a good friend rabbi jeremy fine and the great rabino. and he talked yeah, about actually awesome. going to yeah you talked about going to brandeis which is a pretty jewish university but actually basketball was not going to work out because they travel on shabbat so talk about the recruiting process and uh when you realize that maybe basketball was not going to be in the cards for uh your college experience
1: Yeah. So at my um, Jewish day school where I graduated Berman Hebrew Academy, it's very typical for you to take a gap year in Israel Mm -hmm. and like teachers are always really pressing you on it. Like, so where are you thinking about going? And this starts like in 10th grade, the same way that the college process would work is the gap year process. (laughs) Um, So there's a lot of pressure to like figure that out. And I think in about 10th or 11th grade, I like sat down with my parents. I was like, I don't know if I want to go to Israel for the year because like, I think I want to like see how basketball and Mm -hmm. if I take a year off, like, Chances are I'm not gonna be able to like it's very hard unless you're going to Yeshiva University, that right. you're not gonna be able to really live out that both dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that, that's when we really like committed to the AAU circuit. And um, I was like flying to Waukegan, Illinois, and walking four miles to wow. to like the Nationals or um the DC tournament ended on a Friday. So like that was super that was great. And I, we, my mom would drive me. The second Shabbat was over Saturday night, and I'd be there for the two games Sunday. So I get, I still get a little bit of exposure, um, still get to meet coaches. But um, when I met with the Brandeis coach and she like was looking through my film, she said like two things. One is you're gonna have to make religious compromises. Um, we literally only travel Friday nights and Saturday afternoons. And I was like, well, like there goes my dream of playing like. At like a pretty high division three school and then the other thing was like if you actually are considering this you need to show me um higher level game game film like my jewish day school film was not good enough uh, like to no surprise like it's not the most intense program ever i
0: have mine right here but i'm not going to bring it up
1: <laughs> i think you should show it on the broadcast um but so at different tournaments coaches that come up to me from like d3 d2 schools and be like hey can i have your contact information more often than not, it was on Shabbat, and in that moment, I was already given the opportunity to basically explain, like, I actually can't pick up your pen right now. I can't write down my name, <laughs> but if you want, I can tell you all my information and reach out to me like later on in the week. But that did happen um, a couple times. It was like funny getting like emails from Bible College and Messiah College. Oh, nice. and,
2: right? And
1: I like, hey, Messiah, I'm up. That will do it. Uh, but but at a certain point, I was like, this is this is not a lifestyle that I think is. Is going to be worthwhile
0: for me. So on the men's side, there's experience with this now. Tamir Goodman, who is uh, the same year as uh, my high school graduation in 2000, right? When I was playing at a secular private school, I could tell the coach, look at this guy. He's about to go to the University of Maryland. We can change a game from a Friday to a Thursday. Now Tamir's doing amazing things. You just mentioned Yeshiva University with Ryan Terrell going to the NBA draft a year early. And ESPN writing stories about him, and Mike Sweetney, who's played for Georgetown now, coaching for Yeshiva University. Um, Was there somebody in the women's game that you had an opportunity to look up to to follow this model, or are you now the trendsetter for young women coming up the coming up the pike? Now,
1: I mean, I guess like it's like a fortunate unfortunate situation, right? Because I don't know how many women there have been that have been able to go through this. I know that Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure she played for like Boise State um but there there there's an israeli who played there who like really who really um introduced the idea of like kashrut and and keeping kosher on the road and um our coach um coached a a couple israelis at louisville um i I think i think she talks about that a lot um and so but like they were never like known because there you would always have to like make all these compromises and i and i hope that what i'm showing is like yeah this is like a very unconventional way that like that all this like played out and, and I don't know how many people are going to ever be, are going to be able to relate to this story. However, I, I do hope that, that girls who notice that they're talented really early on, no longer look at like their Judaism as a hurdle to getting to like their dreams. And I, I hope that they see their Judaism as, as a tool um, to creating relationships and, and a beautiful experience, not necessarily just as rules that are constantly constraining you from what you want to do. So I, I hope that I'm setting that tone, um, that like, if you keep keep working hard, keep pushing, like anything's possible. Um, and, but at the same time, like, yes, I, I might not have any female role models, but seeing stories like Tamir Goodman and having a really nice relationship with him, actually, from being in my year in Israel. Um, we were on the phone yesterday and he's like, Mia, you're making me so proud. And I was like, nice. Tamir, you too, like everything that you're doing right now with the Aviv Net is, yep. is absolutely incredible. And and, and this, now a new
0: PJ library book that just came that. out it's about true. dyslexia. Yep, That's
1: like amazing. Like he, he is changing the world. He's changing that, that point of view. And, and I, if I can be put in, in anywhere in the same tier as him, like that's a true honor in itself. So I, I hope that this is only the beginning.
0: So uh, one last question before we get to the relationship between now, then you and Haley and Binghamton take us to the gap year. Cause you said, maybe I wasn't going to do that, but all of a sudden you find yourself in, you know, a yeshiva studying Gemara and rabbinic tradition. Um, why did you decide to to do that? Number one, and then what did basketball look like during that year? Was it just following you know Maccabi Tel Aviv or Yerushalayim, or were you also finding courts that you could keep your skills up?
1: Uh, so going to Israel for the year was probably the best decision I could have ever made in my life. I mean, um, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't about like like any like physical change, or physical growth. It was about like really learning who I am and. And my values and and where i want to be and i don't think that i could have done this whole experience as well as i i feel like i had without having that foundation that i really feel like i gained independently for the first time i um, in israel and, and i just believe that being able to take on a year of studying torah and culture and, and immersing yourself in, in israel and in a jewish country is just something that like you will never ever get the opportunity to experience like that ever again, and so, I and, and there are people that are making it work still playing basketball in Israel. And when I was in mm-hmm. Israel, I was playing about three or four times a week. Sometimes with Tamir, sometimes just with friends. Sometimes outside doors, the Yomtia they call it the Yimka Israel. God bless them. But you know, it, it's it's certain things like that where I was like, this is still something so important to me. But they, they really. Can, can come together and, and build like my greatest success. They don't have to like hurt each
0: other. Um, I don't it's, in, it's interesting. My, one of my first guests on this show is Chelsea Hopkins, who's a amazing basketball player in Israel, played for Duke San Diego state and interviewing people who are not Jewish that have taken their uh, careers to Israel and learned about not just the Jewish people, but the state of Israel and how it's a beacon to the world also has been an amazing experience. And then you bring that Israel experience back at Binghamton. So how do you choose Binghamton? Is it because of the Jewish community, which is amazing? Is it because of a basketball program that you become a manager? Take us to that moment. And then Haley, I'm going to ask you your first uh, meeting with me and what you thought of this uh, fascinating young woman.
1: <laughs> I know, I'm nervous. <laughs> um, but as much as I'd love to say that I came to Binghamton to be a manager of the women's basketball team. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I, for, for observant Jews who want to go to a public university, there are not a ton of options.
0: Right. Um,
1: there are some that are up and coming, and I hope in the next decade there are a lot more options. But generally speaking, you asked your, your typical uh, Jewish day school senior who wants to live an observant lifestyle in college where you want to pick. And it's like Rutgers, Maryland, yep. Binghamton. And, and like,
0: UCLA, you got to check UCLA off the box now. It's I have a couple
1: of friends who are there, but again, like, like especially East coast. So like, mm-hmm. so you, you don't have so many options to pick between. Um, I loved Binghamton because I came for Shabbat. The Chabad was so welcoming. The JLIC couple was absolutely amazing and they want Torah growth and, and they want to see, they want to see your Israel year continue on throughout your four years of college to continue on your lifestyle. And um overall, it's just an incredible experience. And I, I got into the business school here, and I had always been really passionate about fulfilling those dreams. Also, I'm very ambitious when it comes to like professionally and stuff. So I, I really felt like Binghamton was kind of like that best of both of every single possible world. And knowing that. There would be some type of basketball involvement as well while I was here. It was obviously a priority. Um, I didn't realize how much of a priority it would be. Mm-hmm. But now, like, looking back, there is no other place that I would have been able to pursue this. And I've been so happy to do it as well. So.
0: And the winters in Vestal, New York, they're really nice, right?
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yes, I'm just checking.
1: The <laughs> sun so, <laughs> so, so warm. It's as if it's L.A. <laughs> it's
0: as if it's L.A. Um, so... You but even being a manager on a basketball team, that takes time and commitment. And obviously, coach uh, let you do that piece. So were there even discussions when you were a manager saying like, hey, I can't do this, I can't do this. What did that piece look like?
1: Yeah, she would ask me every so often, like, hey, we have like this exhibition game on Saturday at two, and I'd be like, I'm so sorry. Like I I love supporting these girls. I would love to to be there, like like cheering behind them. But um unfortunately, like I, I can't be there. Like it's it's Shabbat. And she she comes from like a little bit of Jewish awareness from her background. So she like kind of understood, um, but it was it was interesting, like transitioning into a way that I would feel comfortable with it, at, like from that transition from manager to player, because I've been mm-hmm. saying, like, actually, no, but now, like, let's make it work. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So that was funny, too. But at the end of the day, like I was there as often as I could be. It was a group of four or five of us, depending on the semester. So when I wasn't there, it wasn't like they didn't have another manager. Right. Right. Um, so it, it worked like as a rotation.
0: Yeah, it was really hard being the manager of the JTS basketball team. Uh, <laughs> just ask your parents about that. Um, <laughs> Haley, take us to your uh, Binghamton career. You get to Binghamton. You had a really successful career. Also, I mean, what you're doing is historic. You played NCAA basketball through a pandemic. Um, so maybe take us about your your dreams and goals when you got to Binghamton and what that was, uh, what that looked like during the pandemic um, and how you met Mia.
2: Well, I think coming into Binghamton, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, Being a freshman, your playing time and everything is a little different. Um, So going over the course of four years, I got to see kind of myself grow on Mm -hmm. and off the court. But, yeah, my experience at Binghamton my first two years, you know, pre-COVID, was so much different than my last two years with COVID. Um, Sophomore year, we had a great year. We won 20 games, went 9-0 to start off the season, and then our season got cut short.
0: Wow. Um, we were
2: supposed to play in a postseason tournament and then we obviously couldn't do that. That's because that's when COVID just really started to take over and everyone got sent home. So that was kind of like hurtful for us and for our seniors at the time. But then we came back my junior year and no fans, yeah. basically like a, a dead zone for however long we played. Um and it was different. And then, you know, this past year um when Mia joined, it, it started to be somewhat normal. I want to say, like, fans were back. Um, we played a full schedule. Um, it was, it was, it, I ended my career in a way that I wanted to, mm, uh, nice. similar to my freshman year, you know, having fans making it feel normal again, which is all I really wanted to do with my senior year. Um, and my meeting this one over here, <laughs> um, I think when she joined the team as a manager, we weren't expecting her to join the team as a player.
0: Right. Tell us that story because that's important, right? Yeah,
2: it was – I mean, when she was a manager, we kind of knew she had that basketball, like, niche in her because she would be, like, rebounding for us before games and everything. And But we didn't really get to talk to her as much um, as a manager because, like she said, there was a bunch of managers. They kind of rotated um, in and out. But I do remember when your first practice as a manager, when, when she introduced herself, like I remember that day. Um, <laughs> but then um, come to – fast forward to – December Christmas break when she's on campus and it's just basketball and oh, I didn't want to break, and Mia just comes and she's working out. And at the time, I didn't know the scenario, but to find out that she was going to be helping us out, I think it was eye opening for us um, as a team because.
0: Well, tell our, us that scenario, right? Because it was half the yeah, team had COVID or something?
2: Yeah, we were down a lot of players. Like half, like half the team, the people with COVID in quarantine. And then we had people that are injured. so we really literally had half of our team. Wow. And so when we found out that Neil was coming back to help us out. like it was like I said, it was so eye- opening for us because we knew that she had a life, you know, and she was doing things. So for her to like just put everything on hold for us, mm-hmm. um, it was like super awesome to to hear and to hear that like when we were talking to her like you know about coming back and her saying how she had like canceled a trip, um, to go to Florida, to come back here and be with us, like, and to get that opportunity and kind of put in perspective the opportunity that we have.
0: Because, you know, every day,
2: like, I, I forget how, how, like, crazy our lives are. You know, like, I forget that I'm a Division one athlete, and I forget how, like, awesome that is um, to a lot of people. So to hear, like, Mia you like know, like, how much, how bad, like, she wanted to be a part of it um, and to kind of be a part of our team, like, it was really awesome to, like, to hear
0: and so uh, Mia, take us to that first weekend. I believe the snowstorm, your mom comes up, it's Shabbat and you're not going to do Shabbat alone, but you have this Shabbat dinner for the Binghamton Bearcats. Um, and mm-hmm. how did you get them there? And what was that like? Where, what was the menu is the really important question.
1: Yeah. What was the menu? The um, deli roll. <laughs> the deli roll, yeah. <laughs> I had teammates who were like taking home loads of leftovers. Like they had never like had this food before. It was very funny, uh, but, like, going backwards a little bit, my mom was supposed to come because my parents, like, biggest, like, as, as, like, nervous parents, knowing that your child's going back to a campus, that, like, none of her housemates are home. The community is just not there for another three weeks. Like, mm-hmm. they were, like, kind of bugging out a little bit, as, like, anxious parents would. Um, but they're, like, you got to take this this opportunity. We'll, like, come and visit you throughout the three weeks so you're not alone. Um, So my mom was planning on coming up um, that for that Shabbat, but we got hit by, like, a big snowstorm, and she's like, I'll come up Sunday, maybe, instead of over Shabbat, but, like, are you going to be okay? And I don't, I don't know who was in the locker room. It was, like, a Wednesday. I don't really know how it happened, but I was, like, talking about how, like, Shabbat dinner, like, usually you do it with, like, your friends and your family, and a couple girls are like, let's just all, let's all do Shabbat dinner, and wow. I was like, for real? And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And so I think, like, it took me three or four hours to just make sure that I had enough food and the means to do it. And then I sent out a text. I was like, Hey, you guys are my new family now. And I love to celebrate Shabbat with my family. Um, How do you guys all feel about coming over for dinner? And literally every, every, everyone came. We all like sat around. Including
0: the coaches? No. (laughs) Okay. okay.
1: Just the players. But to be completely honest, like up until that moment, I had really only interacted with the team in a basketball setting. Right. Um, and so for me, I was more looking forward not just about sharing my culture, but like really getting to know my teammates as people, mm-hmm. which like I write a little bit about in my in my uh, blog post. I I often feel like athletes are only viewed as athletes and that that depth of who they actually are as people is overlooked. And for me, like coming from a background of being on numerous different teams, having so many friends from all the teams that I've been on, like I knew that like I really wanted more than anything was to like meet these girls as as people that like mm-hmm. could become some of my best friends. And, like, I, I think it happened. I think it yeah, worked, out. worked out. Very <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, well, I love what you
0: said there because I mean, I've been doing this show for the last 18 months and speaking to really not just high level athletes, but broadcasters, people that we see on TV, right? And we don't talk about sports. It's called Rabbi on the Sidelines. But what do we talk about? Faith and what you just said, the depth of the individual. When you actually ask somebody, I mean, we're coming up to Pesach, obviously, and they're going to sit around and ask questions. Um, but when you ask somebody a question, they have that entry into answering. Often we're not asked those questions. And it seems like what you did at the Shabbat dinner was said, number one, invitation, but number two, who are you, right? Beyond the division one athlete, Haley, as you are i a, a much more of a individual, a person and, and get to know me. So I, I just love that. And so what, what was the either fallout or the continuation of that Shabbat dinner? Were there more Shabbat dinners? Was there a different camaraderie on the court? Um, what, what what was the after effects of that?
1: After that dinner, like I I knew that this was more than than just a game and more than just a gig, um, just the way that like everyone asked each other questions and cared about each other and and were able to like leave basketball on the court just for two hours and even like put away the, our phones for like majority of it. Um, it. It was very special and and I mean I had a lot of teammates who are now my friends like who would like help you out for this situation like someone drove my car one of my teammates drove my car back on a Friday afternoon. Um one of my teammates consistently offered to walk me for Saturday games. Um and then also just like once I got there, like can we hang out with you? Like while well, I like we have like three or four hours in between our shoot around and our game. And that those were like the memories that I will forever be grateful for. It's the it's the things outside of the basketball. Granted like during basketball, these girls were like carrying me, like pushing me, making sure I was able to like stand up straight and do the right thing as much as I possibly could. Like coming in after they've been practicing and preparing for seven, eight months, like, and I'm there like three weeks in, like just thrown in, like that was crazy. But they were like, they embraced it. They they made it included on court. But what meant the most was, was the off the court experience.
0: So Haley, take us to your first Shabbat dinner and what that was like and what it meant to you, not just the player, but really as a captain of the team trying to bring uh, these girls together.
2: Yeah, I think, like, when the time period that we had got there um, as a player was really hard for us, Um, just dealing with all the injuries and COVID and everything, like, that was – it was just hard. So I think when we had that dinner, I remember getting there, and I remember, first of all, thinking, wow, we are all underdressed for this event, like, we (laughs) we are not prepared. Um, But I remember getting there, and and if you – anyone that knows our team off the court just knows that we're a bunch of goofballs. So I think being there and having everybody just – asking Mia questions or, like, being so observant and, like, really, like, taking everything in was really awesome to see from my perspective just as a leader of this team. Like, it was really awesome to just see everybody come together, like Mia said, like, off the court um, in a different environment, an environment that we've really never been in before. Um, Mm -hmm. And just to kind of, like, take in Mia's culture and what she does and everything like that, it was really awesome to see. And I think it definitely helped us grow um, a lot off the court. And I think after that, we kind of, like, really started to, all really well together and embrace Mia and be there for Mia. And actually, it was really eye-opening for me and it was an awesome experience.
0: Um so I know we're asking a lot about Haley what you at, learned from Mia, but Mia, what have you learned from uh Haley as a <laughs> captain of a division one basketball team?
1: Oh, what I even begin. <laughs> um, no, I think like Haley is the epitome of of like staying calm when things get tough. And mm-hmm. like nice. she's like fully a role model but the 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 stuff that this girl went (laughs) through like your average college athlete does not go through two years of a pandemic and then your senior year with half the team being out like that is just not a normal experience and like Haley did not need to embrace me at all like she Mm -hmm. she created her space here like she's known here 52 threes in a season like that those are like great stats like people know Haley, but like yet like she like gave me the time of day, not just like to teach me on the court, but like again, like to get to know me as a person. Um and I just think that like when when things get tough, like that's when you really see like like who are the true leaders and, and what are they capable of and and their composure and and I I'm forever in awe by by the way that she was able to compose herself through through thick and thin and and lead the team just by just by how she was. Not even but not even by the words that she said. It wasn't even that like sure she's like you said great things sometimes you know you're great but like it, it was really like it was it was how you came across to us the respect the mutual love for it and and i think that that like haley does not get enough credit for that throughout her career
0: so haley there's a teaching in our tradition that mia knows well i'm not sure if she used this in the uh locker room talk but not saving vinishma. that first we'll do and then we'll figure out later what we actually learned from that situation um, and what I see between uh, the two of you and your team is is exactly that. And uh, Haley, there was an interview that you were quoted that said your favorite uh, class in college was prep for public service, um, and you talked about really wanting to go into a leadership position on the court. Um, what did you learn on that in, in that class? That number one made it your favorite class, but what you can bring to your future, whether it's in coaching or any type of leadership activities that you'll be involved with?
2: Yeah, I think the irony of taking that class was that I took it first semester. Um, like this past in the fall, which was when I really needed to step into a huge oh, leadership wow. role because that was my first semester being senior um, and kind of a leader of this team. So I think that class is kind of – I had it like once a week, and I think it just – every week it just gave me something new that I could bring to the table for my team. Um, and my leadership role on this team was, was different, but it was what it was because of the past leaders that I've had. So I knew mm-hmm. – um, being a leader of this team and what I had to do. And like Mia said, like with me being a senior and kind of embracing her, um, you know, not a lot of teams have that. You know, like I still have, a lot of teams kind of have a senior that's like distant or a senior that doesn't really talk to the freshman or a senior that is kind of like is just there because she's old. And like that was something that I never really wanted to do. Um, being one of the only seniors, I didn't want to exclude myself or take myself out of a team because I was the only senior. I wanted to make sure everybody was included and I wanted to have the best experience that I could have. Um, and so being that type of leader and just embracing everybody and, and having everybody included in everything that we do and, and making sure everybody was kind of the same super important to me and how I was gonna finish my career.
0: Um, I know, but you also took part of an NCA leadership conference. Uh, what does that look like um, to bring athletes together? Um, to realize that you're part of something much bigger than just the Binghamton Bearcat basketball team and much bigger than just like the ball.
2: Yeah, no, I think that that conference I, I went to was super um, amazing for me. It was two days from like, I think, 11 a.m. to four. And it was just an awesome environment to be in. Obviously, it was on Zoom because of COVID. But um, it was awesome because there were so many athletes from so many different sports in one setting to talk about how they wanted to lead their team and their program. Um, and I was getting such great advice from other athletes that were maybe dealing with the same things that I was dealing with or had different experiences. So it was really cool to kind of take their advice and kind of remember that and then spill out my own advice and what I had to give to other student athletes. So I think that program was super helpful leading up to my senior season um, and taking that, the things that I learned there, whether it was being a vocal leader or lead by action. Um, I think what I learned in that conference is going to, take me beyond just basketball and, and going to the coaching world and even just communicating with others um, in just regular life.
0: And what does this experience with Mia taught you, for instance, when you're going to be a head coach of uh, South Carolina one day, uh, <laughs> you, you replace Don Staley and a uh, young Jewish kid walks in, into the gym and says, I want to play for you, but these are my conditions. After learning from uh, Mia's experience, how do you see yourself incorporating the lessons that you've learned uh, into your coaching uh, and leadership career?
2: I think if I've taken one thing away from Mia's experience and my four years, it's that life is bigger than basketball. And if somebody wants to come in and be a part of a program or a division one program at the matter and be a part of like, if I'm like my program, I'm not going to stop anyone. Um, I will make the adjustments like what Mia has to do and everything like that. It's just to me, basketball Yes, it's such a big part of your college career, but it's there's so much more to that. And like me said, the relationships that i made over the course of four years, the memories that I've made like everywhere, whether it's in the gym or in the classroom, just everything over the course of four years has made my experience what it was. And I wouldn't be the athlete or the student that I am without the people that I'm surrounded by.
0: So me, I want to bring up one other topic which deals with the Jewish world, but it's also that's Israel, specifically on the college campus. I know Binghamton has a, obviously a large Jewish population, a very active Israel advocacy piece. Um, was the topic of, for instance, Israel ever brought into the locker room for whatever reason? Either people saw something on TV, they heard it's a dangerous place. Last year during the Gaza-Israel war, um, were you ever sort of an advocate in that uh, field or that you had to be an educator um, and really step onto the college campus as a young woman saying, this is who I am, not just as an American athlete, but also I have this other connection to this other land far away.
1: I mean, to tell you the truth, the team, whenever they asked me like, what year are you? And I would like explain like, <laughs> oh, graduated God, yeah. 2019, you took a gap year, like now I'm here, but I'm a junior. Um, the, the response to being in Israel was like, wow, that's so cool. Like it was never, there was never any, anything brought up about the conflict Nothing ever, ever brought up about like, whoa, is the Middle East scary? Like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I'm like in a bunch of other clubs on campus, and I've had peers ask me like, yeah, can you explain the like to me. And I'm like, wait, like so, where do you want me to begin? Like, during like the Bible, t- like biblical times, or like most recent ten years? Like, I don't really know where where we could start. But um, really, interacting with peers from so many different backgrounds outside of basketball. It's it's been a very thrilling, eye-opening experience to hear a how surprised you could be when people do know what's up, and then Mm -hmm. b to be surprised when you know how little people know what's going on. Yes. Um, and right now I'm serving actually as the education chair for the Binghamton University Zionist Organization. We call it BUZO, and the whole team came to a fundraiser event um, for Child's Heart, helped raise money. Like I was like, hey guys, I'm I'm the chair of this program. Do you guys wanna come? No questions asked. Yes. Everybody came, everybody donated. Like, I think it was like twenty-five dollars, whatever it was. And like that again was like one of those experiences, like like it literally like if they respect me and I respect them and we have this like mutual, like at that point love for each other, like then we're gonna support you and whatever you you're passionate about. And I remember, like, it was mostly the Jewish community who was at this event. They walked in and everyone was like, what is going on here? <laughs> and It was just, like, so thr- like it was, it was amazing. It was awesome to to show them a part of my world and have the Jewish community like be like, wow, like, we don't just have to hate people about Israel within our close circles, but we can really open it up and create, like, this greater community. Um, so well, that, that's what I
0: think is so amazing. Exactly what you said. And um, obviously we're in the Israel advocacy world. Your dad is an extreme uh, Israel advocacy and often seen with the APEC policy conference. That's our usual annual reunion. Yeah. Um, um, but the fact that we go outside of our own walls to um, not preach the message, but to teach um, who we are as a people. And then, like you just said, for the Jewish community to understand that we have, Advocates and allies outside of our walls, and that is why we must do exactly what you're doing. That's why I was going to ask you when you wrote the Times of Israel blog post: Who was the audience? Right? Was it me? Was it my children? Was it Haley and her Catholic school community? Who was that audience, and what has been the response um, once you wrote that?
1: Um, I think that thinking back to what my intentions were behind writing the blog, it was it was for like numerous reasons. One was. Like this team deserved so much credit and I, I wanted it to be publicized and I didn't feel like there were so many app, outlets to do that. And and specifically to the Jewish people, I feel like so much of what the Jewish people write about is about the Jewish people or right. about yeah. Israel. And I wanted to say, like, hey, like you don't have to be Jewish to be an amazing person. <laughs> um, and I just I, that was that was one part. Um, I remember showing Haley for the first time. And I was like, "Listen, I'm a little nervous about this, but I need you to look at it. Let me know what you think." And when she like gave me the the thumbs up, the green light, I was like, "All right, like, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna publicize this. I'm I'm gonna public yes. publish it." Um, but now like looking back, I think that my my greatest intention was that idea of 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 showing like people that you can always find an opportunity to be a kiddush Hashem, to to really raise the Jewish people's name and, and you don't have to do it so forcefully. You can just be yourself in, in the regular world. Um, you could do your thing, be do what you're passionate about. And, and as long as, again, like I feel like that respecting is so important. As long as you show that you're going to respect others for their backgrounds, for their beliefs, then they're going to give it back in return. Um, so I think that at the end of the day, like my, my target audience, was all the like was the Jewish people was was the basketball world and especially like the future um I, I hope that a couple 10 or 11 year old girls honestly if only one if only one read it I feel like I I, I accomplished what what I was trying to accomplish and, and has there been
0: outreach by any people within those worlds
1: yes oh my gosh the uh, the overwhelming amount of support and love that I've gotten I I'd helped some fifth graders actually in LA do a project. I I've been on a couple of podcasts now. Uh, I don't know. Um, Howard Blast wrote a, wrote an article about me. Um, mm-hmm. I have another podcast tomorrow. Uh, it, I'm speaking at a, a sports center. Like all these things, I could have never experienced. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. honestly, I I'm so grateful for it. If I I'd never ever could have expected this to blow up the way that it did. But it's a testament to what the girls were able to do alongside me. This is just as much their story as it is
0: mine. Well, I think that is so important. Actually, a good friend of mine and of the show, uh, Jory Epstein, obviously you know also. Love uh, her, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Her book is right behind me, The Upstander. Um, and Max Glauben. I know uh, you know the that family as well. Um, when she does her interviews, in fact, behind her, she doesn't have these sports books, but she has Gemara. She has a rabbinic tradition. And I asked her why? Like, you're interviewing Jerry Jones, but you have the Talmud behind you. And she said exactly what you said, that I'm gonna live the life of who I am and not hide who I am. Um, so I know you were quoted as saying that sometimes you do have a, a maseret, a tractate of Talmud in the uh, in the locker room. Uh, what are you carrying around these days and studying?
1: I was carrying around a Megillah. Um, the goal at the time, it's a work in progress, but I was hoping to finish the maseret before Purim. Life got crazy, but I did tell myself that like when we're on the road and it's. A lot harder to be jewish than it would be on a mm-hmm. day to day like i had my phone i had safari out i was <laughs> i was reading the, the Parsha. i was reading the gemara every every so often just to like remind myself of of that consistency and that value that i had um so i was able to fit it in when i could and waiting for games on shabbat i was able to, to read um different jewish texts when i could um but, but it was it was really a great experience to really figure out how to how to fit that that in into a crazy lifestyle.
0: So Haley, as your Binghamton career comes to an end and graduation in a little while, uh, what do you see yourself doing in the next couple of years? It's
2: a scary question, but it's yeah. a real question. Um, <laughs> uh, you mentioned earlier, I had to go into coaching. So right now, I'm in the process of finding a uh, grad assistant position somewhere and getting my master's that way. And then climbing the ropes of being a coach um, through connections and stuff like that. So I, just, I think just being a coach is something I've wanted to do since since I was little because it's, it's in my blood. My dad was a college football coach. Um, my brother is currently a coach as well um, at Division II School for Football. And so it's just kind of something that I've wanted to do uh, my whole life, and I want to help young girls have the experience that I did and, and if not make it better for them.
0: Um, and uh, Mia, are we going to find you on the BIMA, on the court, on the BIMA, on the court? Tell us what this future looks like for you.
1: Uh, the future is so unknown. Um, like <laughs> you couldn't have ever predicted that eight players were going to be out this season. You, you can't predict that COVID's going to be in and out when it is. Um, I'm kind of just riding the wave right now. Um, I'm grateful for the relationships that I've, I've made thus far. And I know that regardless of what happens next, that I've got this Jewish piece really working out for me and I, and I've got the basketball piece really working out for me also, regardless of the official position that I hold. So.
0: And uh, what does this next year look like at Binghamton? Are you now back to manager status? Do you go to the team or how does that work?
1: You know, it's kind of like the same vibe riding the wave right now. um, (laughs) I I've kind of been put in this position where it's like, we'll see where we need you. And I'm, I'm all for it. I, I care about these girls. I care the program, so I can help out and wherever wherever they need me. I only I only can be a player officially for this season, um. So I won't. It, we'll we'll just wait to see, we'll, we'll wait to see where life takes us. Yeah. You know?
0: And the last question is something that's been a big topic in the sports world today, and that's mental health. Um, I know you mentioned you mentioned Mia that Judaism is a hurdle only if you make it one. And I think that's true, actually, in the mental health world as well. What is it like as a Division One athlete, as a full-time student, as a people of faith, right? How do what does the mental health look like within the Division One basketball world? And then, what can be done better to um, to, to assist athletes uh, in a better way? Yeah. Um, so, if you
2: no, or if you follow Binghamton but we recently just lost one of our yeah, so a, cross, cross
0: player from Syracuse absolutely yeah absolutely due to
2: um, mental health and I just think yeah. like I was just talking to mom about the other day like for me mental health has been such a huge part of my four years um mm-hmm. you know our team has been through a lot and it's like I said earlier it's bigger than basketball and it, and it goes beyond just scoring winning games practicing um so I think for me just knowing that like you have an outlet as a student athlete. I know there's like some study that says like, um, I forget what percentage, but some amount of percentage of student athletes deal with mental health, but don't feel better or hide it because they feel like they have to, because they have this stereotype, like they're, they're the best. They have this mm-hmm. like title, like we we're above everybody else, which really is not, it's not the case at all. Um, and being a student-athlete for four years at a Division one university, I can attest to that. Um, it's more than just, you know, us playing. And if any student-athlete um, feels the need that they're going through something or that they feel scared to speak up about it because they're a student-athlete and they're supposed to just handle it on their own or go about and play their games, like, that's not how it's supposed to be. And our team had a team meeting um, to speak about, to talk about um, what happened to the men's lacrosse player. And mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing, from that meeting was just knowing that like we have each other and like when it comes down to it, like being on a team, that's like one of the best parts about it is that we have each other and that we're all there for each other and no matter what, you should never be scared to mm-hmm. to talk about anything with teammates, or coaches, or anything. You feel security and safety with each other. It's a family, and I think just having that um, family atmosphere over four years helps a lot. Um, well, but yeah, I just think mental health is a huge part of a student athlete's life, and and especially it's been a huge part of mine.
0: And then uh, Mia, maybe just speak a little about the sports in the Jewish community, because mental health is now a bigger part of the Jewish community. We're grateful here at Sinai Temple in Los Angeles that we in fact just opened up a mental health center with a full-time mental health professional in a synagogue, in a shul, which is really sort of unheard of. Um, So maybe Mia, your experience about what mental health looks like and all the challenges that you have uh, not dealt with, but really overcome to uh, be such a successful uh, young woman. Yeah, I would
1: would just say that I, I heard a line once from a, a madricha, like a counselor in in Israel during my year, and she said to me, Mia, I want you to understand you have you have a gift of being a leader, but I don't want you to ever forget that you might that being a leader can be lonely. Um, and I think that, like going back to Judaism. Um, the, the the beauty of like a minion right that concept of you praying with with ten people like that's that's where like your prayers can be really uplifted um, I think that it's special that in a synagogue atmosphere in a learning atmosphere um, Judaism really emphasizes the fact that you should be surrounded by others and I think that that goes the same for a team and and the meeting that we had as a team this past week is also another huge testament to Haley and her leadership. Uh, A senior could walk away from the team once the season's over and call it a day. This senior made sure that we were all in one place to talk about what happened because she saw that it was was important that we did that. And and tell you the truth, that the tragedy happened over Shabbat. and I opened my phone to loads of texts about it from, from my team, from people just around school, like just asking like how we're doing. And I and after speaking with haley and really we really really like I, I feel like she was really able to help me as an individual and personally like really understand and take it in and that's a huge kudos to her for taking the time to just talk to me as an individual I'm sure that I'm okay too um that your your senior leader postseason isn't necessarily always going to do and so connecting it all back to one another like the same way that a team is important and the people that you care about that are there for you. um, I think that that value is so instilled within Judaism also. And it's been really Mm -hmm. special to like really see them mirror each other um, and the parallels between the two of uh, our team is 15 and a minion is 10. And I feel like (laughs) there's gotta be some, some mathematical, I don't know. It's, it's cool, but it's been a really special experience to have both communities there for me when I need them.
0: Absolutely. Well, they will have to work on the gematria at that one for sure. Haley Moore, Mia Raskin, it has been a true honor to have you on Rabbi on the Sidelines. Really the true definition of bringing together the sports and the faith world. You both are role models, not just to your teammates, to the Binghamton community, to the Jewish community, but to the community at large. We uh, wish you much success in the years ahead, and we look forward to following your journey. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Thank day. Thank
2: you so much. Thank you.